Please turn with me in your Bibles once more to Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah chapter 1. And in Zechariah chapter 1, our text this evening is from verses 1 to verse number 6. Prophecy of Zechariah chapter 1 and from verses 1 to verse number 6. And our title this evening is The Lord's Call to Repentance. The Lord's Call to Repentance. And our theme for this communion season this evening is on repentance, a gospel theme. It's an important theme as we approach the table of the Lord this coming Sabbath morning. That we don't just come in an outward sense, but we come in our hearts. We come spiritually. We come to meet with the Lord. And it's important that we remember it's not our table. It's the Lord's table. And he invites all true believers in Jesus Christ who have repented of their sins and trusted in him to come And to meet with him at that table. To find food and drink and sustenance. Because Christ is there, it is wonderful. Inviting you to come. How do we meet with Jesus Christ? In coming to Christ. In growing in our faith as believers. We also say goodbye and turn our backs on something else. Something which is contrary to Christ. And that is sin. And that turning is repentance. And it is something that we continue to do throughout our Christian walk. It's also the same for those outside of Jesus Christ. Those outside of Jesus Christ require repentance. Need to turn their back on sin. And to look to the Savior, Jesus Christ, we must look to him. We must must look to him and in looking to him, we're looking away from that which is against him. And as we look at this text, verses 1 to 6 in Zechariah 1, and as we approach the Lord's table, it's a very important question to ask every single one here. Are you a true believer in Jesus Christ? Have you come to a point in your life where you see you're a sinner in need of the Lord's mercy? And you, your heart has been changed from a love for sin to a love of Jesus Christ. All of us sin, even as believers. Even as believers, our greatest moment on this earth, taken by itself, would be enough to condemn us for all eternity. We must not trust in our works in any way, shape, or form, or to put it another way, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The unbeliever doesn't see that. The believer does. The believer sees he has sinned. 
the believer sees he needs to change and be changed by Jesus Christ. And we fall short in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. Head, heart, and hands. Dear believer, as we look to Christ and his table, look away from sin. Our text in Zechariah chapter 1 verses 1 to 6. Zechariah, the messenger of the Lord, this prophet in the Lord's service. He calls God's people, God's returning people, to repentance. To turn from sin. Many of you might know this, that Zechariah labored around the same time as Haggai. Haggai called them to repent of recent action. Well, Zechariah called them to repent of their national history, or to put it another way, the pattern of their fathers before them, to not continue in the ways of the past. It was a day of discouragement. They had recently returned from slavery in exile. They returned not to the former glory that was there during the days of Solomon and the kings of old. They came back to ruins. They came back to rebuild. And and to rebuild its temple. At this point, the temple has been destroyed some years earlier. The work of the temple at a point in the past stops because of opposition. This is seen in the book of Ezra. And then restarts under the preaching of Zechariah and under the preaching of Haggai. The rebuilding and the blessing of God's people comes in the midst of repentance, a turning. And what was holding God's people back? Yes, we can look at the circumstances of their day. Yes, we can look at the opposition that they faced in exile and all these other things and the opposition that they faced all around them in that day. Even the low numbers. But at the heart of it, it was their sin. Friend, I wish for you to be blessed the Sabbath day by coming to the table of the Lord. God's people in that day found blessing in repentance. So will we if our repentance brings us to the Lord. Our first point here this evening is the word of the authority. The word of the authority. Verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 1. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Ido the prophet, saying, The word of the Lord. This call to repentance, it comes from a source. If someone is telling you to do something, it's very important to know who is telling you to do it. Is it someone wise? Is it someone unwise? Is it someone with authority? Is it someone with no authority? And in this case, 
We have the source of all power, all glory, and all might. He's called in verse 3, the Lord of hosts. Or you could also say the Lord of armies. It's the strength and might and power is at the core of this phrase, the Lord of hosts. So the one who is the source of all power, all glory, he commands his people. He calls on them to repent. This is the authority and the power by which all around us was made. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? Myself and my family were driving up and down from the Isle of Skye and the incredible valleys and the mountains and the trees. And Could you honestly think that someone would say, oh yeah, that just made itself. That's always been there. The beauty and the majesty of creation. What does it show? The power, the wisdom, and the magnificence of God, and the skill, and all the things that were involved beyond our comprehension. And not only did he make it, he sustains it. I think sometimes we think of this, if you ever have a very expensive house, Usually you have to spend more money to maintain it and to keep it in such a condition. Well, the Lord maintains the beauty and the splendor, all we see around us, which really points back to the magnificence of our God. And it's that same God who commands his people. The word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the one who spoke in the beginning, Let there be light. And it was so. I want us to think, could do any of us have such power that we could speak and it would come to pass? None of us do. No mere creature has such power. Any power we have is limited. It depends upon God. God commanded and heaven and earth And every dust particle and every part of the universe, every star, all obeyed God. That's the authority. That's the power. And that's the glory that is spoken about here. This is the source of this message. Heaven and earth maintained by the same God. The mighty hand of God. It's not just even, this, this word maintains heaven and earth there is a respect and an honor isn't there and a trembling and an awe we have to have about the word of God we struggle for the words to explain its power and its glory but we know it is powerful we know it is glorious as I preach or as any preacher preaches And delivers the word of God. This truth. This message. This glorious message. To sinners. To repent. And to come closer to Jesus Christ. This powerful word. It is a great and a wonderful responsibility. We ought to pray. For preachers. 
Pray that the Lord will raise up men. Pray that the Lord will sustain men that they would be faithful to deliver such a monumental message. If you think of the ancient world, if you were the ambassador of the king, your job was to bring the message from the king to that other person. What would happen if you changed that message along the way? I don't like the way the king has said this. I'm going to edit that. You would not survive very long. It would be seen as something horrible. This is the word of the Lord. And we're not to be casual as we think about the word of the Lord. This is not man's opinion. Zechariah is not coming with, you know guys, I was thinking, perhaps you should do this. This comes with authority. This comes with power. This comes with, not a suggestion, but the truth. But to present something of the word of Almighty God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 says this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But it is quick and is living. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. This is a powerful weapon and it's described in various different ways in the scripture. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And what happened in the days prior to their exile? At this point in time, they're just returning. Now this is in the days, it says in verse 1, in the second year of Darius, he comes after King Cyrus the Great. And under King Cyrus the Great of Persia, They are returned to their home. But there was still a sense of they lacked respect for the word of God. As we said earlier, the work of the temple stopped. They faced opposition. But at the end of the day, as seen here in this first six verses, the issue was sin. Zechariah is a very encouraging book. You read through it. And largely what it's saying to the people, you may have a day of small things, but there's far greater ahead. It's a wonderfully encouraging book, but that wonderfully encouraging book starts with these six verses. I call these people to repent. Call these people to realize, you see all the ruin around you? Why is that happening? Sin. And it's coming from the source. Sin holds us back from hearing God's word. Sin holds us back from reverencing and really elevating and magnifying God's word and taking it as seriously as we ought to take it. In much of the modern church, one of the saddest things that has happened over the last about 200 years, I think it's been happening now, men have placed their ideas above that of the scriptures. 
men we'd have a lot of fellowship with. And we've entered a time when much of the scriptures can be debated, whether that's part of the scripture or this is part of the scripture. When we hear the word of God, we ought to tremble. The source, the one who is heaven and earth is speaking to us. The one who maintains all that we see around us is speaking to us. The king's message must be heard, not edited for modern audiences. The word never changes. The standard never changes. We may change. Our culture changes all around us. What people think is relevant or irrelevant constantly changes all around us. But this truth must be followed and listened to because it is the Lord of hosts who speaks. It is the Lord of hosts who speaks. And we don't follow it perfectly. I'm aware of that. I'm sure you're aware of that. We wish we could follow it more. We, we wish we were further along than we are. But we do follow it. We do love it. And the table of the Lord is for you who love the word. It's not just that you love the physical bread and the wine and, and the coming to the table. You love the word. At the table of the Lord, you see the visible word. But here's the audible word. Here's the authority which beckons you to come. And in coming, there's repentance. In coming, there's a laying aside of sin. And in coming, there's a greater embracing of Jesus Christ But perhaps you're here this evening and you think in your heart, I lack love for the word of God. I wish I loved God's word more. I don't want to give a to-do list to you, dear friend, here this evening. But in any relationship, it needs time. If you're married, you need to spend time with your husband or your wife. If you've got children, you need to spend time, quality time with your children. I mean quality time where the phone is put away and all these other distractions. Will we not do so with the word of God? That we would meditate upon it, love it. That God would stir up your hearts to have a love for his word and a love for his voice. So... Number one, we've looked at the word of the authority. Now, number two, we're going to look at the witness. The witness of the animosity. The witness of the animosity. What happens if we reject the word of God? What if we don't take it seriously? How many people, you give tracts to them and maybe they throw it up in the air and maybe they laugh at it and Maybe they say something to try and be funny because they don't take the word of God seriously. Verse 2. This is what happens. Verse 2 of our text. The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Just like the fathers of those exiles. Their fathers prior to the exile. Prior to... The Lord's wrath been poured out upon them, being brought out of their home, being brought into Babylon. 
something that was devastating, to see how devastating it was. Look at the book of Lamentations and the woes and the misery of God's people when Jeremiah writes that book under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. But God was sore displeased that the people of old listened to God's word. What were they warned would happen if they rejected God's word? There was many warnings. And warnings that were not new. If we turn back to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. You could really read any of this chapter of Leviticus chapter 26. A chapter filled with blessings and cursings. Blessings for those who follow by faith alone. And cursings to those who will not be reformed by the word of God. And verses 14 and 15 says this of Leviticus 26. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments... And if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not at all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant. And then also verse 36 of the same chapter. Verse number 36 of this same chapter. And upon them that are left alive of you, I shall send a faintness in their hearts, in the lands of their enemies, And the sound of the shaken leaf will chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword. They shall fall when none pursueth. There is a lack of courage when sin is prevalent. When there's an animosity to the word of God. Cowardice invariably rushes in. And then another verse in that same chapter. Verse 39 And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands and also in the iniquities of their fathers and shall they pine away with them. All the way back to the first five books of Moses, there is a warning before they enter into the promised land at all. If you go this direction, there is judgment Ahead, The witness of animosity is seen in the people of God. When they're brought into exile. A hatred for God and his word. Now outwardly, often things seemed okay. They did the sacrifices. They did these things in an outward way. But there was many examples in their lives that showed that it was merely external and that alone. Without the fruit of repentance. It was a mere performance. The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. And they were shocked. If you look at the book of Jeremiah and other places. Really we're going to be judged. This can't be happening to us God's people. God's people were displeased with the words of God. What happened? God was sore displeased with them. Verse number four. First part of verse number four. Be not as your fathers. Unto whom the former prophets have cried. Saying thus saith 
the Lord of hosts. Don't follow their example. If we see sin in the past, we must turn from it. They were in the land ruined since 586 BC. Nearly 70 years have passed at this point. The Babylonians destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the temple. They were warned to repent of the open hostility before the Lord. One other example you could look at is Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah chapter 7 and verses 25 and 26. Jeremiah chapter 7 and verses 25 and 26. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Verse 26, yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Do you see the mercy of the Lord sending messenger after messenger, warning after warning. Now, we're not to grow weary, dear friends, when we speak to the world. We ought to imitate that mercy of God. They may reject our message. We keep coming. Because above all else, we do it for the glory of God. Above all else. But when we turn and do not listen to the voice of God, what does it show? It shows a hardening of neck did it worse than their fathers. And Jerusalem at this point was in ruins. Very discouraging when you think back to the time of Solomon. The wonderful temple, the glorious splendor, when, when silver was as plentiful as stones, all these kind of things. But now what they're left with is monuments and devastation of sin. We could also think about the church in the West, not just here in Scotland, where I live in Northern Ireland, America, Canada. How many are coming to know the Lord in the Western world? There's far more coming to know the Lord in the developing world. And we praise God that his kingdom will not be destroyed by the gates of hell. It will endure But why is it falling to its enemies? Why are our leaders, both in church and state, cowardice? Why is it so common? Because sin weakens families. Sin weakens churches. Sin weakens nations. Sin weakens schools. And I could go on and on. This, the heading of this, of this section is called the witness of the animosity, but it could also be the weakness. When we fight against God, we are left with nothing but weakness. We have no strength without God. It brings ruins because sin, my dear friends, rejects the source of all goodness. It turns its back. And this is why we need forgiveness. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, 
Believers in Jesus Christ. Yes, we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, we've been clothed in His righteousness. But even we still sin. We still sin today. And we still have areas we all need to grow in. And we have those areas in our lives. The table of the Lord is a wonderful opportunity to come closer to the Lord. Point number three now. The wisdom. The wisdom of the antidote. The wisdom of the antidote. Verse number three. Therefore say thou unto them. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Turn ye unto me. Saith the Lord of hosts. And I will turn unto you. Saith the Lord of hosts. So you're sick. You go to the doctor. The doctor prescribes a certain medicine. Here is the antidote. It's sure to work. But what would you say of the person that rejects the medicine? Would you say they are wise? Or would you say they are foolish? The medicine cures all those who accept it. Yes, our hearts break for those people who do not trust in Jesus Christ. But true wisdom is taking the medicine by faith. Even our accepting of the medicine, even that is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. The Lord is the great healer. The Lord is the great healer. He knows our greatest problem. So often we forget our greatest problem. Daily we forget our greatest problem. It's not lack of money, time, all the things that we think are our greatest problems in our lives. It's sin. Personal sin. And he knows the cure. The Lord himself. Even for the believer. Yes you have been forgiven. But there's still those moments. Along your journey toward your heavenly home. Where you are. Perhaps backslidden. Drifting from the Lord. The cure is turning unto the Lord once more. And he says. What does he say? He turns to us. I remember speaking to people many years ago who denied the fact that repentance was an ongoing thing throughout a believer's life. You just repented at the beginning of your Christian walk and that was it. You repented once and that was it. I couldn't believe it that I would hear that. When we grow as believers, we repent. The more we grow, the closer we are to Jesus Christ. And the more we grow, the more we've turned from sin. We may not even see that progression. We may at times not even acknowledge that progression or have a mental awareness of it. But that is what is happening. And that's why sin is so dangerous. Even if you're a believer, even if, yes, heaven is your home, sin is still dangerous. Don't play with fire. 
You don't play with poison. You don't let your children play with poison out in the garage or something like that. The cure is the Lord. To turn to him. And you see, it's not even our turning to him. Our repentance, our turning is not what heals us. That's not the antidote. It's the Lord. But we must turn unto him. These are returning exiles, returning captives in our text. They return and they are told the wise path. The wise path is what? Turn ye unto me. Turn ye unto me. But don't go the way of the past. We can learn a lot of things from church history. We can learn about the wise things that the men of old did. The Knoxes. The Andrew Melvilles, Alexander Hendersons, all these kind of godly men. Not perfect men, but godly men. We can learn from what they did in the past. We should learn their positive example from them. But there are also sometimes things that they, maybe they did or other people did that we should learn too. They got wrong. Don't follow the sin of the past. The foolish path. Be not as your fathers, verse 4, unto whom the former prophets have cried. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. There is a, a wise path set before them. It's a narrow way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. And then there's this broad road. So many different varieties of answer. And it leads unto destruction. One narrow path repents of sin. It mourns of sin. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor in heart. Or poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who see their poverty of spirit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. They also mourn. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. They see inside themselves, I am desolate. I am afflicted in this sin-cursed world. I, I am a sinner. Forgive me. This is the way we come before the Lord. And we seek the medicine, the remedy, the purity of the gospel, that washing found in Jesus Christ and that clothing with his righteousness. You see, if we have self-righteousness at all, if we think it's our way, not the Lord's way, that is self-righteousness. We must always be open to being corrected by the, the word of God and to seeking to grow. It's a wonderful medicine as we approach the Lord's table. We must not come to the Lord's table with any sense of I'm a good person. That is another gospel. We are sinners. We are sinners. And in Zechariah's day, they forgot that at times. And in our own day, we can all forget this at times. I know we can look at liberal churches and think, ah, oh, yes, they're doing this. But we can all drift into thinking we're not that bad. We always need the wisdom 
of God's mercy. We need the wisdom of his healing hand. And finally, number four, the warnings of the aftermath. The warnings of the aftermath. So we've looked at the word of the authority, the witness of the animosity, the wisdom of the antidote, and finally, number four, the warnings of the aftermath. The aftermath, this what an aftermath is, the consequences of an unpleasant event. The consequences of an unpleasant event. Ever since the Great War, World War I took place in 1914 to 1918, men have studied and looked into the consequences, historians and others, the consequences that have borne out of that unpleasant event. How can we make sure this never happens again? Well, what's the event in our text? In verse number four, but they did not hear, this is the end of verse four, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. The unpleasant event is this, that the fathers didn't hear. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. And verse five, the question is asked of that aftermath. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Those who scoffed at the warnings in times past, where are they now? How about even here in this nation that has been so blessed by God? Many preachers were sent to warn time and time again. But what happened? With the growth of liberalism. Many who would undermine the Bible's authority. And what happened to such churches? Just like what happened in Judah. Destruction. The candlestick removed. Slaves of sin. No longer in the freedom of the heavenly Jerusalem. The sword came. Famine, disease came to Jerusalem. We must learn in our own day, in our own, in our own land. William McLeod wrote this. They allowed liberalism into the pulpits and worldliness into the pews. Doubt was cast on the word of God. Ministers were allowed to criticize the truth, deny creation, and reject the, the substitutionary atonement of Christ and still remain ministers. Your fathers, where are they now? And so in Zechariah's day, he's saying, don't follow the sins of the past. We must not, in our own day, follow the sins of the past. In verse 6, it says this, But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not hear and take hold of your fathers? Will we learn from monuments of sin? They had to learn from the monuments of sin, the, the, the destruction around them. It was a discouraging time. Again, Zechariah is a very encouraging book. It is a book that says what is ahead is far greater than anything that you are yearning for in your past. That temple you saw in Solomon's day or you were told about from your fathers, 
Well, there's a greater temple. All these things. The city will be far greater. But they must learn. They must learn from this painful example. Repentance is not easy. It's not easy. Repentance requires often turning from something we currently like doing. And searching in our hearts and and discovering I shouldn't be doing that. Or my attitude is wrong in this area. It is painful. But it is also healing. It is also comforting when that repentance is repentance unto life. When that repentance is looking to Jesus Christ. It's not just feeling bad for the sake of feeling bad. It's a repentance that looks away from sin and unto Jesus Christ. We can look back at these examples. And we can wonder why did they not listen? Do you ever read the Old Testament and go, why? Why didn't they, why didn't they listen? But there are so many things in our own hearts, in our own lives, where other people would probably examine our own hearts and lives and say, why don't we listen? We all have blind spots. And we need the Lord's light to show us where those blind spots are. When we come to the Lord's table, we're not just coming just to to tick a box. We're coming to meet with Christ. We're coming to be changed. We're coming to be fed. We're coming to be encouraged. We're coming to be blessed. We are coming to be brought closer together. We're not just coming just to do it because we do it. We're coming to magnify the Lord. But as we do so, we must have the attitude of, Lord, show me my sin. Where have I fallen short? Help me to change. That I may be blessed even more at the table of the Lord. Because I've turned from that. We don't get self-righteous about it. But in turning to him, we have more of Christ. In leaving behind sin, we give up simply what is dust and ashes in this world. And we gain far more. Greater blessings, greater joy, even in this present world. And, dear friends, in the world to come. Please stand as we pray before Almighty God.